In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. One way to reflect on the lessons each week is to consider the connection between the epistle and the gospel. In the gospel today, a paralyzed man is forgiven and healed so that he is able to rise up and walk. The epistle is also an exhortation to rise and walk. It describes the change in behavior and attitude that occurs in those who have experienced forgiveness. The gospel describes healing from an external perspective. We know nothing about the internal dispositions or thoughts or attitudes of the man Jesus healed. We know only that Jesus forgave him, said his sins were forgiven, and that he linked that forgiveness with healing, with with the man uh, rising and walking. The epistle describes healing from an internal perspective. Life apart from Christ is characterized by a kind of disease of the soul, vanity, darkened understanding, ignorance, blindness, insensitivity to right and wrong. This is how the pagans were accustomed to walk. It could almost be termed a kind of paralysis. But now that we've been forgiven by Jesus, now that we've learned Christ and have been taught by him, we experience an inner healing that enables us to live and think in a new way. The language the epistle uses to describe this change refers to baptism. Quote, it says that you put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. In the early church, baptism involved a change of clothes. Before entering the water of baptism, one put off an old garment or took off an old garment, entered into the water, was baptized, baptism was usually done without clothes, and then afterward the baptized put on a new garment. This symbolized the change, the putting off of the old man and the putting on of the new. Thus, what the epistle is really doing is exhorting us to live in a manner that is consistent with our baptism. Baptism is the beginning of the Christian life, but we must, by the ongoing practice of repentance, remove from our lives sins of thought, word, and deed. And we must, by continual acts of obedience and faith, practice living in a new way. This is why our regularly, regular liturgy of worship is, in essence, a renewal of our baptism. We come to put off the old man through renewed confession. We encounter Christ in the sacrament and experience again the grace of forgiveness. We put on the new man. Our minds and our behavior are renewed. The result of our habitual 
participation in the liturgy over time is that the old man should be dying and the new man should be coming more and more to life. In both the gospel and epistle, healing results from grace. The paralyzed man did not work his way back into walking shape. He was healed by a gratuitous act of our Lord. The change described in the epistle is not a self-help project. It can only be accomplished by those who have been forgiven and who know Christ and have been taught by him. In both the epistle and the gospel, the grace of healing is received through faith. Jesus, seeing the faith of the man's friends, healed him. They had to have an active faith. They had to believe that Jesus could heal their friend, and they had to be willing to carry him uh, some distance at some effort to bring him to Jesus. The grace of baptism and communion is also received by faith. If we are baptized as infants, someone had to bring us to Christ. And each week it requires active faith to come to church. We have to get out of bed and get in the car and actually drive to church. And we do this presumably because we think that Jesus is able to heal us. In both the gospel and the epistle, the healed are commanded to walk by faith. When Jesus said to the paralyzed man, rise and walk, it took a certain amount of faith for him even to begin to try. He didn't know how to walk, couldn't walk. So he had to believe to get up and begin to try to make the effort to stand on his feet. And one wonders, or one really assumes, that he probably stumbled at first, probably had to spend an extended season of time learning how to walk. When Jesus pardons and delivers us from all our sins, when he feeds us with himself and sends us out back into the world to do all the good works he has prepared for us, it takes faith to actually begin to try to live in this new way. It takes faith to speak the truth to others in a spirit of love. It takes faith to be angry, but to not allow your anger to lead you into some kind of sinful action. It takes faith to guard our tongues, to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God has forgiven us in Christ. As we rise and walk, we also stumble. We return again and again to the grace of the sacrament because we aren't yet really walking. We're only learning how to walk. As Father Joe Miller once said to me after the liturgy, I guess we'll just keep doing it until we get it right. In both the gospel and the epistle, other people are significant in the healing. The paralyzed man only got to Jesus because his friends brought him 
It was their faith that moved Jesus to heal him. We need other people in order to be healed. The grace we receive in the sacrament must also be received from other people in the church. The sacrament is the body of Christ and the church is the body of Christ. And unless there's a correspondence between the grace we receive at the altar and the grace we experience in the community, our healing will not occur very effectively. We must each with the gifts we have been given minister grace to each other. We must believe that the wounded people we see can be healed. We must bring them to Jesus. We must be patient to pray for them, to work with them as they learn to walk. In the church, we are all both givers and receivers of grace. We are both learning how to walk ourselves and also helping others to learn to walk. Maybe we're like two steps ahead, so we have something to say. Excessive individualism hinders the church in her healing mission. Sometimes people think of the faith as just me and Jesus. And there was a kind of error in our own tradition where people would come to the liturgy and get the sacrament for themselves and then go off back into their life and be rather annoyed if anyone sitting next to them you know, made them aware of their presence. Our spiritual gifts are not things for us to pursue merely for our own personal fulfillment. They are essential to the well-being of the entire body of Christ. If we do not exercise our gifts in the body, the body is less able to carry out its mission. The passage of Ephesians just before our epistle describes the ideal. It says that Jesus gave various gifts to members of his church so that we, quote, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which each part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. But what if we want not just the inward healing of our souls described in the epistle, but also the outward healing of our bodies described in the gospel? In fact, the Christian hope is for a merger of the two. God is remaking us from the inside out, and when his work is finished, he will provide us all with a body that is appropriate for our new condition. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Of course, we believe that God is able to heal sickness now. We pray for healing all the time, and it happens also 
with some frequency in church. However, we also know that we're going to die. <clears throat> and even if we are healed of one disease, some sickness will be our last. Consequently, when God says no to our prayer for healing and gives us what St. Paul referred to as a, quote, thorn in the flesh, we believe that God is able to use our outward struggles to help with our inward healing. As 2 Corinthians says, quote, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. As we learn to walk in love and wrestle with the issues of our mortality, we look for the day when the inward healing and the outward healing will be joined. When Jesus will say to the whole church, in a full and final way, rise and walk. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.